me read, if you don't mind, from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. Joel says in those days. And then we move over to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, and Peter, as he is preaching, following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and he quotes these very verses. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That happened to be nine o'clock in the morning and the time of the sacrifice and also at the time of prayer. And so they would not have been drinking at that particular time. He goes on to say, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts. Open our understanding. And we will praise you and we will magnify you. In Christ's name, amen. Most of you know since January we've been on the letters of the Apostle Paul. And we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, going through this particular book, we notice that Paul speaks to the church about spiritual gifts. Especially in chapter 12 and in chapter 14. And uh, he's talking about the spiritual gifts. And we'd like to continue what we started last week. And by the way, if you don't, do not have an outline, please raise your hand. We want everyone to have an outline and make sure you get uh, a copy of that. And let's look at what thus saith the Lord. Uh, last week we found out that Jesus uh, expressed or he uh, described the salvation experience as a well that was in the believer. A well that was in the believer. And then he also in chapter 7 describes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a river uh, that flows through the life. These are just great descriptions of that. Paul, I mean uh, John the Baptist also spoke to these particular uh, incidents as uh, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that brings forgiveness and eternal life. That's speaking of salvation. And then in the same text, he says that he was the baptizer. And Christ not only redeems us, but he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Notice the introduction that we have on the outline. Read it with me. And describing the Holy Spirit's coming. 
Jesus specifically said, rivers of living water shall flow from the inner being of all those who believe in me. Then that was in chapter 7. On Pentecost, what Joel had prophesied, Peter preached. God has poured out his spirit. A stream of restoring, healing power is released to mankind. Amen. I believe that same power is still available for us today. It happened at Pentecost. Some says this was the birth of the church. The birth of the church. So therefore, the, uh, the believers and those that believe in this uh, manifestation of the Spirit of God are called Pentecostals. Some are called Charismatics. So you have what we have called Pentecostals slash Charismatics. Uh, I like where it's come from. It started, listen to this, it started over 2,000 years ago with 120 people. Now if you're visiting today, I want you to know that we are, this church is and has always been a Pentecostal church or Pentecostal slash charismatic. Uh, in the 19th or 18th century, there was somewhat uh, a manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord, but there's not much recorded before the 20th century of the speaking in tongues and the outpouring of the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit. By the way, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. The gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of healing. And then you have the gift of, of tongues and interpretation of tongues and the gift of prophecy. So all of these nine gifts are received or displayed through by the power of the Holy Spirit, all through and by, Paul says, the same Spirit. But this Pentecostal movement in the early 20th century took on a new phase. And uh, the Pentecostal movement is by far the largest and most important religious movement of the 20th century. Let me say that again, because I want you to know what you are part of. The Pentecostal movement is by far the largest and most important religious movement that happened in the 20th century. And notice, if, if you will, on your notes how that we follow through on the happenings of Pentecost in this 20th century. The first quote, Pentecostals in the modern sense appeared on the scene in 1901 in the city of Topeka, Kansas, in a Bible school conducted by Charles F. or Charles Fox Parham, a holiness teacher and former Methodist pastor. Now this is interesting, stay with me. The first person to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit was Agnes Osman. She received when hands were laid upon her and it was said that she uh, spoke in Chinese. Uh, she was speaking in tongues and she spoke in Chinese for three days and she was unable to speak in English. Now I've seen this happen. 
we saw a lady in Fayetteville, North Carolina, that was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she she fell in the altar, and she began to speak in tongues, and she could not speak in English. They she spoke in tongues for hours. They they picked her up, put her in the automobile, and she was continually speaking in tongues, and all the next day speaking in tongues. And uh, someone says, I don't believe in all that. Well, it's real. And this was the first outpouring uh, that is recorded here uh, in Topeka, Kansas. Then there was a man by the name of William Seymour. William Seymour was a black gentleman that was at the outpouring in Kansas. In fact, they would not even let him go in the class to uh, hear the teaching. Uh, but he sat out in the hall and wrote notes down and received from the Lord. And he took this and went back to California. And there, this is known, and what happened there is known as the Azusa Street Outpouring. And it was because of William Seymour. And uh, the services, there were three services a day, seven days a week for three years. Three services a day, 24-7 for three years. And people from all over the world came to Azusa Street. And many of them received what is called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the Holy Spirit. That second blessing that comes with the infilling and the baptism and the overflow of the Spirit of God. When a person is born again, every believer has the Spirit of God. It's called the Spirit of Sonship. We all are sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then there is an experience and five times it is recorded in the book of Acts where there was an experience subsequent to the uh, experience of salvation being born again. Keep in mind that there were those that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they were born again. There were those that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they were born again. There were those that received the baptism with the Holy Spirit when they were baptized or after they were baptized in water. And then there were those that received the baptism with the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water. And so we have all of these experiences. And uh, I would encourage you, I would really encourage you to read the book of Acts and read it several times and take, take note where, where God poured out His Spirit. The important thing to understand that the baptism in filling did not stop with the early church or with the early apostles. Amen. I don't want to rock you to sleep or lull you to sleep today or lull you to sleep today, but I want you to stay awake with me and understand this is something that is so vitally important. The church, the world is in trouble today. And the church needs the power of God operating 
in its midst. It needs this outpouring of the Spirit of God. People, born again believers, need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And where almost every place that they receive this special uh, baptism, they spoke in tongues. You say, why would they speak in tongues? Well, how many of you know the tongue is the hardest thing to control? And if you control, if you can control your tongue, you can control your life. James talks about how hard it is. It's like trying to put a bridle in a horse's mouth, and, and, and we're trying to control it. So God takes that, He takes that display and the speaking in tongues and uh, the manifestation. And uh, someone said it is the initial sign. Or receiving the baptism. Uh, Parham said that. And, and Seymour and all of these people believe that. And, and over the years it has been taught. And we believe it is the usual manifestation. Of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that is speaking in tongues. And uh, let me tell you. A lot of people have spoken out. Against speaking in tongues and the manifestation. But believe me. And you study it for yourself. Just don't believe me. It is real today. And this Pentecostal movement has, ever since Azusa Street in Los Angeles in 1906, it has uh, grown. The largest church in the world is a Pentecostal church in Korea. 200 now and 41,000 people attend that church. I've been there. It's amazing to see what God is doing. And, and, and you know, uh, this church by Dr. Cho is not the only large church in Seoul, Korea. There are many large churches in Seoul, Korea that run over 100,000 members and attenders. John Osteen and my wife's dad, the former pastor of this church, were friends. John Osteen started Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, a Pentecostal church. What is it now? I don't know. But I know it was started out as a Pentecostal church. That church now runs 45,000 people. So the largest church in the world is Pentecostal. The largest church in America, Pentecostal. It is amazing to see Pentecostalism has become the fastest growing family of world Christianity. It is growing at a rate of 13 million people a year, which that means that every day, 35,000 people are added to a Pentecostal church. Wow. How many of you are glad you're part of it? I am glad of it. There are now over 600 million Pentecostal church. Over 170 uh, denominations came out of Pentecostal. This great move of God. 
And you have churches like the Church of God. And of course the largest Pentecostal church is the Assemblies of God. Then you have churches like the Church of God of Prophecy. You have churches like the Four Square. And then there are many Pentecostals that have come out like the Jesus Only and others that came out of this uh, great move of God. Some genuine, and I'm not too sure all are genuine. Yeah, I said it and I believe it. Amen. We need to know, we need, we need to understand Pentecost. It is not confusing. It is not something that you should be apprehensive about. It is not something that you should fear. Well, Brother Don, if I seek the baptism or if I desire the baptism, I'm afraid a spirit will jump on me. How many of you believe God's Word? Let me see your hand if you believe God's Word today. Do you believe God's Word? Well, believe God's Word when it comes to the Pentecostal experience. Pentecost. It's not a bad word. It's a great word. Charismatics are not bad people. Of course, you have many waves and outpourings of the Pentecostal mood. I had the privilege, my wife and I had the privilege, and maybe some of you, of experiencing the great outpouring of the 40s, especially the 50s and the 60s, of the old line or the classic Pentecostals. Powerful move of God. Great healings. Not put on, not fake, but real, genuine outpouring of the Spirit of God. Divine healings taking place by the hundreds, by the thousands, by the ten thousands. God performing miracles and healings in these people's lives. I have my own opinion why you don't see that today. And I lived through it. And I not only did I live through it, but I experienced it. A lot of great things had happened and then comes the carnality that moved in and I believe that hindered the great outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it would take me hours to tell you some things that my wife and I have experienced and gone through. Most of it good, some of it not so good. So the Pentecostal movement has spread around the world. You take in, in South America, in South America, there are churches that run 150,000 people or more. And it is amazing what God is doing. Right now in Africa, there are 10 million people that they're believing in the next few years to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Guess what's happening? The children are being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they're speaking in tongues. I'm not talking about stuff like in Charlotte where they sit you down and let the kids prophesy to you and that's all they do. I'm not talking about that kind. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that I don't believe is scriptural. But there's a lot of stuff that is scriptural. There's a lot of happening that is scriptural. And over the continent of Africa, millions and millions and millions of people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in the country of China, 
The Pentecostal churches, the ascendants of God, are growing by leaps and bounds. It takes the anointing and the power of God. And while we have people in this country that are hooked on drugs and alcohol, living immoral and moral lives, and they need deliverance from satanic power, we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. It won't happen without it. You say, well, Pastor, we can send them off to a psychiatrist. God's Holy Ghost in one second will do more than all the psychiatrists that you can send them to. I'm not against the conscience. But I am for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I am for you and I and us that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with the Holy Ghost. I am for us to have a renewal, a rebaptism, a re not a rebaptism, a refilling of the Holy Spirit. There's only one baptism, but there are many refillings. And you can study the book of Acts. And you find certainly that it's true. Salvation and the baptism are two distinct experiences. And it's for everyone. It's a gift of God for all believers. It is a gift. It, and when I say it, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the experience of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he. He is a person. But this experience, experience, it is a gift. God gives it to us. And it's for everyone. It's not for some super saint somewhere. It's not for just a select group of people that uh, are special people. It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. That experience is a gift. And it's just as real today and just as available today as it was back in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. He's real. God wants to fill us. Acts chapter uh, 2 verses 38 and 39. Then Peter said to them, look at verses 38 and 39. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to the pastor and that's all. And the elders. I forgot the elders. Didn't say that, did it? Look at it. And the, for the promise is to you and to your children and to what? All. all. All means all who are far off and as many as our Lord, as the Lord our God will call. For everybody. You don't earn it. You don't, maybe even we don't deserve it. But he gives that to us. It is a gift that God Almighty gives us. We receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by asking and through obedience. Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? 
If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil, human beings, if us being human beings know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who carry, work for it, to those who ask. As a nine-year-old boy, I was in the, I got exposed and got introduced to the Pentecostal church. And they said something about the baptism. I'd been going to uh, another denomination and they said something about the baptism. And uh, so they said you could receive. Back then you tarried for the Holy Ghost. When I say tarry, you tarried for hours. And if you didn't get it, they formed a circle around you around the altar. And if you didn't get it, they beat it into you. It don't have to be that way. And you're laughing because many of you know that. And they'd get around the altar, they'd holler in your ear, and somebody would say, hold on! And then somebody would get on the other side and they'd say, turn loose! And you'd say, what do they want me to do? I'm not making, necessarily trying to make fun, but I'm just telling you, you don't have to, Listen, I, I do believe the early church had to tarry at the initial giving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you and I can ask. And if, if, if God's word is true, I, I, uh, Tammy, I didn't give you this particular verse, but I wanted, I wanted to read it. I found it later. Therefore, I say to you, Mark Chapter 11, verse 24. I don't know if you can bring it up or not. Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will what? Say it. Have it. Now are we going to believe our feelings? Are we going to believe the devil sitting out here and telling us this is not for us? Are we going to believe some preacher that said it's not real? Or some uncle that said it's not real? Am I going to believe my feelings? Am I going to come with fear and apprehension? Or am I going to come and say, God, your word is true. Let every man be a liar. You said you'd give it to me. I'm going to receive it right now. That's not the way it is at all. 
myself for years. And when I received the baptism, I said, I can have a VA. You know, I didn't realize how easy it was just simply to take God at His word. It's important. This, this is a must for the church today. And if this church, we, as a body of believers, and believe me, most people here have received the baptism. And you speak in tongues. I'm not too sure we speak in tongues enough. I'm not talking about disturbing. I'm not talking about getting out in public and embarrassing you and God too. I'm talking about in your private life. When you get on your knees and you're hurting. And Paul said to the church at Rome, you don't know what to pray for when you pray anyway. But he, the Holy Spirit, will assist you. He's, he is a paraclete. He, he will come along beside of you. And he will pray. And when you're hurting so bad and you don't know what to say and you don't know how to pray, and, and you just turn it over to him, and all of a sudden you begin to speak. He said, Brother Don, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Uh, the Bible says they spoke. I'm, I'm going to drop that. I've got number Roman numeral number three. I put it back there because last week I didn't get to it, and I'm not going to get to it again. Uh, I've got to hush. You can look at number four. You can receive the baptism today by taking these three simple steps. Listen to me. Notice what it says. First of all, you ask in faith. Just read Romans. I mean, Luke 11 to us. You ask in faith. You ask. Not a parent here that you have a son or daughter that if your son or your daughter asks you for something that if you can, you're not going to get it for them. If you know it's not going to hurt them. And if we know how to give good, give, give good gifts, how much more does he? So we ask. In faith. Not apprehension, not doubting, not fear. So first of all, we ask, and then we receive by faith. You base, and I read it, Mark 11, over and over. You base your experience on God's word, not what somebody else said, not someone else's experience. Should I speak this way? Should I do this? Should I stand this way? Should I go to the altar? Should I get on my knees? Should I stand? What? Don't worry about those things. God says ask. Simply ask. God says we receive by faith. So when you come to the Lord and you ask Him right then, the same way you believe for salvation. You receive it by faith. And when you come to God. And you say Father. Now first of all you got to be born again. That's number one. You got to be saved. He's not going to baptize you. Now you can get born again. And fill with the Holy Ghost. Or baptize the Holy Ghost at the same time. But you got to be born again. But then you ask God. And then you receive. And then last, you speak by faith. You ask by faith. You receive by faith. You speak by 
Faith, speak by faith. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Who spoke? They. If you're waiting for the Holy Ghost to shake you and take your tongue and start talking, you will never speak in tongues. But if you were yield, listen, you get thirsty at home, you get your glass, and you go to the faucet, and you turn on that faucet, and hold that glass under it, and it fills up with nice water. And that's what he's asking you to do when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because there's plenty there. There's a reservoir there. There's tens and thousands of gallons of water. But it ain't going to come out until you turn on that faucet. It stays right there. But if you reach out by faith, turn that knob, out comes the water. You release it. And, and, and you know, release it. See, we are, as humans, we don't like, especially today, we don't like to give in to nothing. We want our own way, do it our own way. We don't listen to people. I've never seen the beat of young people that don't listen to anybody. They don't listen to nobody. It's, it's amazing to me. And you know where they get it from? From us adults. We don't want nobody telling us what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. I'd rather do it myself. You know, it, it's, but we need to yield to the Spirit of God. We don't like yielding. I'm in control. If I need healing, I'll go to the hospital. If I need money, I go to Wachovia. I know it's not Wachovia. But I, you know, I will go wherever. If I need anything, and I don't see, we don't need people anymore. How many of you know we need God? How many of you know we need the Holy Ghost? We need it. We need it. But we've got to desire it. We've got a hunger. The psalmist said, as a deer panting for water, I'm panting today. God, I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want the freedom of the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm tired of battling all these battles by myself. Take over, Lord. Here I am. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Wrap up all the cares of your life and at the feet of Jesus lay them down. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken cords. See, that's what God is asking us to do is give it to Him. He said, no, I got to hold it myself. But well, we made a mess of it. Amen. We'll make a mess of our life if we don't let Jesus lead us. Yes, and we've got to yield to him. We yield. We yield to him. And that tongue, they, listen to this, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts 10, 46, and in Acts 19 and 6, it says that they 
spoke in tongues. It is a simple three-step. You gotta be saved. You come to Jesus. You come to Him. Whether it's at the church, or whether it's at the house, or wherever. One of the things I find so helpful is to begin to praise the Lord. Just love on Jesus. How long has it been since you just loved on Jesus and he loved on you? And he got a hold of that heart until he squeezed it into water right out of your ears. Your eyes. How long has it been since we wept before him? You woke up. And you, how long has it been since we wept before God? This is, this, is, this is one of the most needful things. And I would encourage you that's received the baptism. Find time. I don't know whether you speak in tongues every day or not. I don't speak in tongues every day. But I'll tell you, I speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. It's important. I have a message I preach on 12 reasons why we should speak in tongues. It is important that we let God have his way. You say, well, my church don't teach it this way, or they don't teach it this way, or I don't know, you know. Believe 